Okay, come on in and take your seat and you can talk to one another after service. Uh, let me ask you, just out of curiosity, how many of you actually have a Facebook page? You know, like your own account? Facebook? How many of you don't? How many of you refuse to have one? Yeah, yeah I knew you guys. Um, how many of you who have a Facebook page have friends? I shouldn't stop there. How many of you who have a Facebook page have friends who you wish would use a little more wisdom in what they post? How many of you don't want to raise your hands because the person you're thinking of is sitting next to you? I have a colleague who posted a question last Sunday. And the question was this. Why do people clap after songs in a worship service? The comments became so poisonous, he had to actually remove the whole post. The comments were things like, because they're idiots. Because they're ignorant. Because they don't realize this is not a concert, it's worship, and you don't clap for the worship team. And I mean, they, I mean the comments were like, I'm, I'm reading these comments thinking, you guys are colleagues. You, you guys like who went to school with me. You're in the ministry the same length of time as me. You guys are just plain mean. I wouldn't want to be in your church. Well, it reminded me of a memory I had. How many of you guys have memories that you're not sure if they're really your memories or if they're memories that somebody has planted inside of you? You know, maybe a UFO or something like that. Uh, you know, you know what I mean, where you have a memory and you think you remember it, but maybe it's just because your mom and dad told you so long ago and so often that it's become your memory. Or maybe you've read about it somewhere and you've read about it so many places that after a while it's like it becomes yours. Well, I have a memory. I have a memory from Italy Naples Baptist Church. How many of you know that church? How many of you have ever heard of that church? Come on, if you've been in this church, you have. It's my church growing up. I have a memory of being in the church, and it was a church about this size, and sitting in the back, all the teenagers always got to sit in the back. I don't know why they let us do this, because all we did is cause trouble, but they let us all sit in the back row, and I can remember sitting in the back, and about three or four rows up was this new family that came in, and uh, they were sitting there, and in front of them was an older family, and I mean, when I say families, at that time, our church had, you know, like families that had six, seven kids. They were like big families. And there was this family sitting in front of this new family, and they had a young child. This young child, as I recall, was like blonde hair, blue eye, just a cutie pie through and through. And she was standing on the pew. We had pews. She was standing on the pew looking backwards at everybody behind her, smiling to beat the band. And everybody around her is being distracted. They're not listening to the past or anything else. They're just smiling at this little girl who was so cute in their way. And I can remember the mother taking her and smacking her mouth with her hand, just like tapping it and saying, turn around and sit down and be serious. This is church. And I thought, that's kind of what my friends were doing on Facebook, saying, church, you shouldn't be clapping in church. What are you guys thinking of? Church is serious business. Um, in our church growing up, the way we would start our church service often would be one of the leaders, most often it, it was Al Chapman. 
He was six foot six. He was a Navy Commodore or whatever he was. I don't know. He was way up in the Navy when he retired. Uh, he was six foot six. He was a big guy. And he would come to the pulpit as the uh, kind of head deacon slash assistant pastor. And he would come to the pulpit on a Sunday morning. We're all there. We're in the church. We're all talking, you know, in the pews. Everybody's having a good time. And he would stand and he would say this. God is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent before him. Every Sunday. Except for he didn't say it like that. He said it like this. God is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent before him. And everybody got just like you. It was like, whoa. You all better be quiet. This is serious business. Um, it was kind of like, in our church, it was like the invocation. It was like, it was their way of saying, it's time to shut up and sit down. We're going to have church now. And it wasn't like they were saying God was mad. I don't think they were trying to say that. I think they were trying to say, this is serious business. It's kind of like, I always took it as a kid, like the warning that the teachers used to give you about running around with a sharpened pencil in your hand. You're not supposed to do that because you might poke your eye out. I kind of took it like that, like, okay, God's here. God's maybe not mad, but he's not real happy either. And you're not supposed to be happy in church, just like that mother smacking her little kid and tell her to quit smiling. Church is serious. You're not supposed to have fun in church. We believed in joy, but when you said the word joy, it was more like joy. It's like joy, you know. None of that frivolity, no laughter, no fun. Joy was serious business. Do you have the joy of the Lord today? Don't let anybody show your face because we're not supposed to see joy. We're not supposed to act upon joy. We're just supposed to have joy. Well, this morning we had the joy of celebrating with some little kiddos. They're moving up. And for some of you, it's like you get to a point where you're so old that you, you've forgotten what it's like to be little anymore. You've forgotten what it's like to actually be excited and have fun. We had one little girl. I don't know if you noticed her. Uh, I think, who, was it Bella? Bella. She was best. Well, actually, there were several good things about it. Didn't matter who was being asked to stand up. Bella was going to stand up because I want to stand up. I want you to see me. I'm here. Take notice. I'm here. I'm present. The party can begin now. I'm here. And the thing that was kind of cool is the whole time, Tessa kept trying to bring her down. Get, no, it's not your turn. Sit down. Tessa, who understands decently and in order. But we were celebrating with some kids the fact that they, what, what, what were we celebrating again? Oh, yeah, that they're a little bit older. Right? That's basically what it is. You didn't do anything other than grow another day older, which then puts you into another class. And we celebrated with them. It's graduation time. But the question really this morning is, why do we celebrate? Why do we have fun? Why do we have joy? Why do we get together and have parties? I want to suggest to you this morning that from the beginning of this book, right through to the end, God has had to work really hard at telling us why we should celebrate. 
why we should actually enjoy something of life, why we should have some fun and laugh together and even party together, and why fun is a part of his nature. Um, Here is this God who is infinitely perfect in every way, doesn't need anything. Nothing can be added to him or taken from him. He is complete in himself. But what does he do? He creates a whole planet and solar system with stars and sun and moon and, I mean, beauty around us. And the question that I came with is, why did God create all of that? And the Westminster Catechism puts it this way. God created all of that so that you could enjoy it. That's what it says. That's what was taught to children going through catechism for years and generations is that the reason why all of this is around us, the reason why God created it was so that you can enjoy it. But I think there's even another reason. I think God created you, not needing you. He created you just because he has so much love, so much joy. He wants someone he can share it with. He wants a friend, a companion to walk with him. I mean, we used to sing the song years ago, the hymn, and he walks with me and he talks with me. Where was that happening? Oh, yeah, that goes back to in the garden. From the very beginning, God's intent was that we would know the joy of relationship, the joy of connection with him, that he is not some sort of fuddy-duddy upstairs who's waiting for us to blow it, but he rather is a good, kind, merciful, loving God who loves the fact that we can take delight in him and in all that he has created, including one another, including our little friends, that we can have that kind of joy celebrating with them that they have made another passage from one class to another, from one age to another age. Um, It's almost like God knew that in this world we were going to have troubles. We're going to have challenges. In fact, the Scripture puts it this way, sufficient unto the day is the evil or the trouble thereof. In other words, there's enough trouble in the day. God needed to find ways to give us to celebrate. So he came up with all kinds of ways. He came up with feasts and festivals. He came up with birthdays and anniversaries. I mean, I think about uh, Jed and Michaela here with their first house. And what do they do? They throw a housewarming party. But not like a normal housewarming party. This is like a housewarming party in which we dismantle our house. We take it all apart. But people get married. And what do you do when you get married? Often you have a party. It's like, I've had people say to me, we want the wedding to be short and the reception to be long. In other words, they want it to be fun, a time of joy. They have a celebration when they get married or when they get their first house, they have a housewarming party or, or maybe sometime along the way, they find out that they're expecting and friends get together and throw them a party. It's called a baby shower. And they have a party. There's reasons to have these parties all over the place. Um, Nehemiah puts it this way. Uh, Nehemiah, by the way, Nehemiah, a very Old Testament kind of straight book. There's not a 
whole lot in there you're going to find, but I want you to listen to these verses. I, I, I didn't bother putting anything up because this is going to be very short, but I want you to get this. Nehemiah 12. Now at the dedication of the wall, this was like a party they're throwing where they're dedicating the fact that they have rebuilt the wall around Jerusalem that had been torn down. Now at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they, the people, sought out the Levites. The Levites were like the religious leaders. Sought out the Levites in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem. Why? To celebrate the dedication with gladness, with thanksgiving, and singing, with cymbals, with string instruments, and harps. And the sons of the singers gathered together from the countryside around Jerusalem, from the villages of the Netophathites, Netophathites, some kind of weird name. But all I'm saying to you is they wanted to throw a party, so what did they do? They got the religious people together because they knew that the religious leaders knew how to throw a party. Because God had shown them how to throw a party, how to have fun. All of that was with gladness, with celebration. They had singers, they had instrumentalists, they had party favors, they had white cake with white buttercream frosting, uh, with raspberry filling in the middle. Uh, they had um, whoopie pies, pumpkin whoopie pies. They had frosted... Um, what was it called, Karen? Cuca. Cuca pies, which was like rhubarb and strawberries and blueberries. Uh, they had it all. And if you guys are like meat eaters, they had venison and they had beef. I mean, they had the whole thing. This was like a big party. All to celebrate the fact that we finished some wall. It's like they had to find reasons to celebrate because there's a lot of stuff in the world that's not fun. It's not happy. So God gives them reasons to celebrate. Richard Foster, uh, some of you might know of him. Richard Foster is uh, a man who's written several books. But this one, Celebration of Discipline, is probably the classic. Uh, it, it, in this book, he talks about all kinds of the disciplines that can help us to sustain that cycle of grace. Things like prayer and fasting and reading the Word and all that kind of stuff. But hear what Richard Foster does. He asks the question, he says, why is it important to practice the discipline of celebration? He calls celebration a discipline. It's like it doesn't always come naturally to us. We have to work hard at it. Why should we celebrate? Or why should we practice the discipline of celebration? How can we live a life of celebration? Here's what he says. Celebration is central to all the spiritual discipline. Without a joyful spirit, hear this, without a joyful spirit of festivity, all of the other disciplines become dull, death-breathing tools in the hands of modern Pharisees. He's saying that if you don't have some partying in you, then all the other stuff you're going to do becomes dull and deathly. Somewhere you have to learn how to have some fun. Richard Foster, most famous, probably this is his most famous book, Celebration of the Disciplines, and one of the disciplines is the discipline of celebration. He says it's clear from the Scripture that from the very beginning, God had arranged that celebration would be part of our lives. Some of you have recently read a book uh, by a guy by the name of John Ortberg, but this is another book he wrote called Life You've Always Wanted. John Ortberg. And the reason I'm even showing you these books is that Years ago, uh, before any of us were alive, going back to the time of the Wesley brothers, uh, of whom some of the hymns you guys know well, 
uh, the Wesley brothers started what was called the Holiness Club. And to be a part of that Holiness Club, they had a lot of things. They had a whole list of things that they had to do. But part of what they had to do, and by the way, all of it was by horseback or on a mule or something like that. They went from town to town where they would preach. But every single week, if you were a part of the Holiness Club, you were required not only to read your Bible, you had to read five other books every single week. And so I think it's good for us to understand that there are some really good books that are helps for us in our own walk with the Lord. But John Ortberg says this, people who want to pursue joy especially need to practice the discipline of celebration. There's a primary reason we see much emphasis placed on feast days in the Old Testament. Times of feastings were to be transforming experiences just as times of meditating and fasting were. Celebration generally involves activities that brings pleasure, gathering with people we love, eating and drinking, singing and dancing. Spiritual celebration means doing them while reflecting on the wonderful God who has given us such wonderful gifts. So celebration isn't just about partying. It's partying in the presence of God. It's not just having a drinking fest. It's doing everything that we do with joy because God's provided it for us. And that's part of it. And the other one that I wanted to mention to you, some of you maybe have read this by Brennan Manning, The Ragamuffin Gospel. I'd recommend it highly. Uh, he is a man who has written prolifically himself. But he says this, Christians ought to be celebrating constantly. We ought to be preoccupied with parties, banquets, feasts, and merriment. I love, I love that line. We ought to be preoccupied with parties, banquets, feasts, and merriment. We ought to give ourselves to veritable parties of joy because we have been liberated from the fear of life and the fear of death. We ought to attract people to the church quite literally by the fun there is in being a Christian. We ought to attract people to the church by the fun there is in being a Christian. The joy of it. So, all I want you to catch today, and part of what I'm doing here, and we're making the service a little bit different, is it's okay to be a Christian and actually to have fun. It's okay to be a believer in Jesus Christ and actually celebrate things together. It's okay to have kids. I mean, uh, we have people come and visit the church. Invariably, when we meet with them later, they will say to us, somebody just did it to us this week. We'll meet with them later and they say, man, you guys have a lot of children in your church. I said, yeah, we do. And it's a joy and a challenge. But it's a joy. Wouldn't want it any other way. I've been to churches where the average age of everybody in the church is 75. I would much rather have Bella standing up and Tessa pushing her down. And then over on this side, you've got kids not sure they want to be there. And over here sitting down, you have kids that were too cool to come up. So we have all of that going on. Yes, we watched you. All of that's going on because we love kids. We love our families. And we want to celebrate with them. We have birthday parties for kids. And if we can make it and we're invited, we go to them. We enjoy it. We have anniversaries in which we celebrate major milestones in our lives, all finding reasons to celebrate. And if we can't find them, then there's other ones out there where we can make them up. Uh, we, uh, we came across a name recently. I can't remember what the context was. It was Seamus. It's an Irish name. And I thought to myself this morning, we ought to have a Seamus day. Maybe there is a Seamus day. And that's just for Irishmen. Are there anybody here who's Irish? 
Okay, so we have a reason to celebrate. We got some Irish people here. I mean, they gave us shamrocks in the rainbow, I think, or something like that. I don't know. Lucky charms, that's what it is. Reasons to celebrate. Reasons to have fun. The Bible is full of it, through and through, from the festivals and the feasts into the New Testament where it was communion and baptism. Those were reasons to celebrate. So, today, we celebrated our children. And at the end of the service, we're going to go, parents, you're going to go get them. Instead of making something minimal of it, it's like, okay, yeah, fine, let's get going. We've got stuff to do today. Accept the fact that they have joy. They're in a new class. They have a new teacher, probably. They're going into a new school, maybe. Some of them are going from the elementary to the middle school. Maybe some of them are going into high school. Maybe some of them are starting preschool, I was hearing this morning. Or UPK. There are reasons to celebrate. And instead of being an old fuddy-duddy who takes all the joy out of life, you just suck it out like a vacuum. Why don't you add to the joy? Let them have fun. And you enjoy it with them. All right? Uh, At this point in time, we have Brother Ben coming so that we can actually do communion together.